You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Well, Greg, we got a big trade to talk about in the NFL. This happened yesterday. It has to do with the quarterback carousel, as we know by now. Sam Darnold goes from the Jets to the Panthers. In return, the Jets get a 2021 sixth-round pick. And then next year, they get a second and a fourth. I just want your initial thoughts on this deal for each side. Yeah, Nick, I thought, um, look, for the Jets, they put themselves in this situation. Um, again, this is like, what, the sixth consecutive uh, first-round pick that they've, well, other than the two recent picks. So they still have the 2020 and 2019 first-round picks on their roster. Before that, none of them are on their roster. And I think six of them they traded away. Or some of them they cut. Like, it's just, it's a pathetic sort of existence for the Jets in that regard. Um, not that I think they shouldn't have done that, this deal. I think they should have. Um, you're at the number two overall pick. You know, you get to reset the quarterback um, contract mechanism, which I think is is big for that franchise right now, and it's big for any franchise. So I don't think they could pass that up. Uh, plus, I think Zach Wilson is a really good prospect, and I think he has – I think he's he's better coming out than he's certainly better coming out than Sam Darnold was, even though I like Sam Darnold and I think he's a good player. And the second part of this is I, I love the move for Carolina. Uh, I, I think they were their options were dwindling very yeah. quickly in terms of what they could do with it could be the top three. The top three are going to be quarterbacks could be the top four, whether that's by trade, if you wanted to pay a ransom to go up. Um or the Falcons, if I were them, I'm I'm taking a quarterback there. They can't wait, even though I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I think they're I think they're either going to trade it or they're going to make another pick there. Um, but the Panthers were running out of real estate in terms of a quarterback. And Nick, I think I think we might have been the first people in the country to report. I think it was last November or December that the Panthers were going to be very aggressive in the quarterback market. Um, that most people thought, oh, Teddy Bridgewater signed there. He got a big contract. It's Teddy or bust. They just got to build up the rest of the roster. No, for I heard you know, midway through last season there that they were just like, they were pretty much done with Teddy. Not that he's not a good teammate and he's not a serviceable quarterback, but he's just, his ceiling is very limited. And, right. and they were, they wanted better. So they, and plus their owner, Dave Tepper is very aggressive and, 
that that just wasn't going to stay the way that it was. And so to see them make this deal, I think this is a really good deal. Yeah, Darnold's a little bit expensive, but he's still pretty young. He's not quite, you know, tainted from the Jets. I mean, it's three years. Uh, I, I I think you can, this is a good spot to still rescue his career. I think that he's going to um, a team that's on the upswing. I mean, they, they have to be considering where they've been, um, you know, stability at coach stability for now at offensive coordinator with Joe Brady. I think, I think Darnold would fit with Brady very well um, in terms of, you know, in New York, he had Gase, and Gase is a really good offensive coordinator, but he's not, he, he can't do both roles. And he and he failed at that a couple of times, Miami and New York. And I think Carolina, he goes there, he gets out of New York, the pressure that, the, that, that was there, being the number three overall pick, going to um, Carolina where there's like one newspaper, maybe, <laughs> if there are newspapers even right. left. Um, and not much of a spotlight, um, a little bit of a tough, well, no, I mean, you got Tampa and then the rest of the division is pretty competitive. And so I think it's a good situation for Donald. I think it's, I think it's the right move for the Panthers for now. And the Jets, look, they had no leverage. Everybody knew they were going to take a quarterback. It's not like they could, uh, you know, demand a first round pick for Donald. That just wasn't going to happen. And so they had to make the best deal that they could. These teams have been talking for a while. And I think this is about what you could expect in return for the Jets. Yeah, the San Francisco-Miami trade killed any possible leverage the Jets thought they might have had, right? Because the stories that came out at that time, it was twofold. Number one, San Francisco had talked to every team you know, ahead of them in the draft, especially in the top five or six, except for the Jets. And It was rather obvious if you looked at that situation, you said, okay, well, if they didn't talk to the Jets about moving up to two when they moved up to three, that would tell us deductive reasoning that the Jets were drafting a quarterback. Then Ian Rappaport mm -hmm. came out and said, well, Philadelphia was trying to move up. Once Philadelphia figured that they couldn't move up and draft Zach Wilson, that's when they started to talk about moving down with Miami. So Philly wanted Zach Wilson. They knew that they had to get above somebody to get Zach Wilson. And they realized that at three, they wouldn't be able to get Wilson. So if, if they made that deal with Miami, they weren't going to get Wilson. San Francisco didn't talk to, uh, you know, the Jets because they knew that the Jets were going to draft a quarterback. So the writing was on the wall that Wilson was going to be the pick. So we know Wilson's going to go number two. Lawrence goes number one. I, I like the deal for the Jets just because, as you said, you got to reset the contract. And really, you're starting to build this program from the ground up. Joe Douglas was not there when they drafted Darnold. Yep. That was a Mike McCagden guy. So now Joe Douglas gets his quarterback. Robert Sala gets his quarterback. And you start fresh. And that's what I think everybody needed in this situation. For Carolina, yep. you're right. I mean, they needed an upgrade. And we've been hearing about it over and over and over again about how Dave Tepper, who owns the team now, is just lock, stock, and barrel on finding the next guy. They were supposedly going to go hard after Deshaun Watson. As soon as the Watson legal stuff came out, you and I talked about this. There's no way that dude's getting traded anytime soon. So Carolina was in a situation looking around and saying to themselves, okay, so we don't think we can land a quarterback that we love in the draft at eight. If we move up, we're probably not going to get a guy that we love. So we're not going to do that. And Deshaun Watson is off the board. Russell Wilson is not even a thought, I don't think, at this point, because 
he wasn't on their list and other stuff like that, um, or they weren't on his list. So they looked at it and said, here's the best we can do. So let's bring Darnold in. Let's surround him. He's got run CMC. He's got Robbie Anderson. He's got DJ Moore. I would not be surprised if Carolina used that eighth pick to draft a skill position player to further solidify that, or maybe they draft offensive line. So you start to build your program, as you said, with Joe Brady, Matt Rule, and Sam Darnold. Uh, Something you wrote about this trade yesterday jumped out to me, Greg. You made the point that this was a Patriots-like move. Explain to us why. Yeah, just because this was Sam Darnold was a distressed asset. So, you know, you're talking about the third overall pick um, in three years. Uh, I don't think he's he's he, he, he's still as talented as as, as he's ever been. Uh, so the, the talent is still there. Now, you could certainly make bones with the production on the field and some of his decision making has not been great. Um, but in terms of his his ability to see the field to make anticipation throws to make throws off schedule uh i think i think sam darnold is a, you know i think he's up there he's not quite there with uh some of the top young talented quarterbacks in the league but he's he's up there and so that it didn't work in new york simply because of the jets being the jets and also look darnold was on his this was going to be his third offensive coordinator in if he stayed in in four years. Yeah. It's the Marcus Mariota plan. It's a you cannot yep. I don't understand why people why everybody wants to criticize Sam Darnold. And I get it. And I even get it. BSJ members are, you know, you know, you bring up Darnold and they're just like, oh, he sucks and this and that. But well, I don't ghosts. understand why people what'd you say? He sees ghosts. Yeah, oh yeah, that whole thing. And they're great. Van Noy's back. So we get all those comments now. <laughs> um, but uh even though I love Van Noy on the field, it's the comments and things like that. But uh I just don't understand why people when you talk about young quarterbacks and how they've done to that point in their career, like you can't just say they suck. Like that's not that's not what happens. Like you yeah. have to look at the context. You have to look at the circumstances. It's nature versus nurture. Like in the NFL, if you don't have the nurture part, you are going to fail as a young quarterback. And so Marcus Mariota having four different offensive coordinators in his whatever, five years in Tennessee, no one's going to succeed like that. Why yeah. do you think Tom Brady was as good as he was? He had Charlie Weiss, then he had Bill O'Brien, then he had, sorry, Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, back to Josh McDaniels. The same offense, the same playbook. All these guys, every time a new guy comes in, it's a new playbook and new this, let alone the new teammates. Like, it's impossible. It's impossible to be successful like that. And so you look at all the good quarterbacks, they've had stability. Aaron Rodgers, why did he become Aaron Rodgers? He had Mike McCarthy in the same playbook the whole time. Like, it's not that hard, and people need to start putting this into their draft evaluations when they talk about the player. Now, part of the that that conversation should be, can that player recover? Because some guys just can't. Like, I don't know if Marcus Mariota can, Yeah. okay? I think he has a chance, and I'd like to take that risk, a minimal risk, but a lot of guys just won't recover, the, the David Carr effect. Um, so... You know, I just think that it's been unfair with Darnold. I think that so in in terms of the Patriots, he's still really talented. Belichick has said in the past, 
how talented he is. I know people will say, well, Belichick says everything about everybody. But that's not true. Like, Bill's not going to lie in a press conference. Like, he'll talk up a team and say they're playing really hard or this or that. But when you ask him about individual players and he gives an assessment, he, most of the time he's pretty honest with his comments. And, yeah. and he has been, over the years, he's been very complimentary about Sam Darnold. And he's not lying. Uh, trust me, I've seen every... Jets Patriots game during his career. I've seen a lot of other Jets games on film preparing for those games. And I'm telling you, Sam Darnold makes some of the best high level throws in this league. It's just, he doesn't make them as off as, as some of the other guys. And he, and he has the mistakes that you have to eliminate. I think he's a legitimate franchise quarterback, whether or mm -hmm. not it works out. We'll have to wait and see. I totally agree with you about the Jets and how they handled him. They really wrote a how to book on how to screw up a franchise quarterback after you draft, yeah. draft him in the top three. I mean, they brought in Adam Gase, who was an unmitigated disaster. Mike McCagnan and Gase weren't even really friends with each other. That that was a, a messy situation. Then Gase had the power for a couple of weeks, and then they brought in Joe Douglas. And, you know, Sam Donald's in the middle of this and changing offenses. It's my concern with Miami and Tua Tungavailoa because what they're doing with him – with the offensive coordinators, we talked about that a week or two ago, this idea of, okay, we have Chad O'Shea, then Chad O'Shea's out, then Chan Gailey's yep. in, now Chan Gailey's out, now you have co-offensive coordinators. What you have to do is you've got to draft a guy you believe in, and then you've got to set him up. You've got to support him. And if you fail to support the quarterback, I'm not putting that on the quarterback. Now, is Donald to blame for some of the turnovers and some of the bad decisions? Of course he mm -hmm. is. Well, we're not yep. sitting here and absolving him of every mistake he's made on the field, but the Jets did everything they could to make sure that they failed. It was truly amazing. It was a comedy of errors. So hopefully Carolina yep. gives him a chance. All right, of course, this falls into the Patriots, and we look at the draft now. Theoretically, theoretically, Greg, I stress that word theoretically, <laughs> uh, this makes it more likely the Patriots could land a quarterback in the draft because now you had Carolina, who was before this trade looking for a quarterback upgrade. They're now out of the quarterback market. So let's go team by team quickly. And I yep. want to focus on the teams that are above the Patriots, not below the Patriots. Like Washington is in the mix. Chicago is in the mix. You can even argue that Pittsburgh, New Orleans could get involved. Those teams are underneath the Patriots in this draft. Yep. So the Patriots can outbid all of those teams. So let's look at the teams above the Pats. Let's start with Atlanta. At number four, the draft really starts there. We know Lawrence is going one. We know Wilson is going two. A lot of people feel like it's going to be Mac Jones at three. Whatever. San Fran's picking a quarterback at three. What do you think Atlanta does now with that fourth pick? Okay, this is this is the money spot. Um, yep. And I, I've i seen, and I saw, I actually didn't know about this mock draft until I saw you tweet about it this morning. But so in Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, a guy yep. who I – have a lot of respect for I do as too. a former scout and he talks to a lot of people in the league he has the Falcons with Trey Lance another mock draft that I saw today Mike Tannenbaum the former Jets uh Jets GM and Needham native uh mind you uh he had uh Justin Fields hmm. with the Falcons at number four even though look I have a lot of respect for Mike I just and he's really good with the cap and he's really good with other things. I don't think he's much, I don't think he's much of a personnel guy when left to his own devices. Um, 
you know, mostly because I remember, and this is as clear as day because, and, and this just told me where, what Mike values and it's the wrong things compared to the Patriots. I remember a quote that he said, he said, we're in the talent acquisition business. Yeah. That's actually, that's not true. That's fundamentally incorrect. <laughs> you are in the, and this is straight out of Bill Belichick. We're in the team building business. You're in the team building. It doesn't matter. You can collect all the talent you want, but if you don't build a good team, then it's not going to work, which is why it didn't work long-term um, in New York with the Jets. But, you know, I think Mike's a hell of a cap guy and sort of a bigger picture guy in terms of the personnel department. And and I think he'd be great in that role um, for a lot of people, just not deciding on personnel. But anyways... So those are two mock drafts that have the Falcons with the quarterback at four. Um, that's what I think they should do. I think, look, they uh, looking at Matt Ryan, what they did with his contract, Matt Ryan is probably there for two more years. Yeah. Probably. Um, he's certainly there this year. Next year, you know, we'll see. Now, I think he's just not the long-term guy there, okay? He's just not um, at his age. So – He's he's going to be he's soon going to be 36. I don't think anybody would accuse him of being Tom Brady in terms of his longevity. And also, look, quite frankly, he's not that great under pressure. Like he, you know, he did too many turnovers. Like how many times do the Falcons have to watch the same movie over and over again? I think they need to get the quarterback, but here's the thing, Nick. Arthur Smith is now their coach, the former Titans offensive coordinator. He runs a very conservative uh, under center play action pass game. We saw it with Tanny Hill. It's the reason why Tanny Hill was successful outside of Miami. And I could see him falling in love with Matt Ryan and being like, we don't need to get a quarterback. I got Matt Ryan for at least yep. two years. Then we can do something else down the road. We don't need that. We could let's get a, let's get um, uh, an offensive tackle. Let's get Sewell left tackle. Let's sure that I could see him making that argument. Um, Fontenot luckily is the GM and he'll make the call. It'll be tough if he goes against his head coach with the, their first, first round pick. So I'm not sold on the fact, I think the, the Falcons will try to trade that pick to a, a team looking for a quarterback. Um, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I want them to, but I don't think they're going to do it. I agree with everything you said from beginning to end. And you wonder, you know, you look at somebody, the, the thing about this draft is, the shiny toys in the store are available to every team now after the top three, right? When, when you look at, yep. you know, I, I made this argument when the Philadelphia Miami trade happened. I, I thought that Philadelphia trade was all about 2022. They were picking up a first round pick from Miami next season. And I think Philadelphia is setting themselves up where if Jalen hurts, isn't the guy they now have a bunch of picks next year to try to move up and get the guy. I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to position themselves to cover their ass if Jalen Hurts is not the answer. But my issue with the trade by Philadelphia was when you trade from 6 to 12, because a lot of people say, oh, you'll get the same guy at 6 as you will at 12. Not in this draft, because if you had the top four guys being quarterbacks, everybody else is dropping down a peg. And you mentioned Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. He's got Micah Parsons going to the Patriots at 15. Well, Parsons in every other year probably doesn't get to 15, and he might not no get way. to 15 this year. But the, but the way this draft is falling, it opens up the possibilities. So when you look at Atlanta, you say to yourself, okay, do we bring in the next quarterback? 
because I think that's what they should do, like you said. Or do we draft somebody like Kyle Pitts and Arthur Smith gets all worked up and says, ooh, Kyle Pitts is my Jonu Smith 2.0. And now I've got Julio Jones and Ridley on the outside, and I've got Kyle Pitts and I've got Matt Ryan, and he's working up a lather. He's all fired up, and he runs to the draft board. Like I could could totally see that happen. So Atlanta, we both agree. Nick, one more thing on Lance yep. and going to the Falcons there, um, like Jeremiah predicted. Lance is probably uh, – I don't really have a comparison, but it's been a while. He's probably the most adept college quarterback prospects coming out at operating under center, yes. play action. He played an yep. offense with a fullback. Yep. Like, if you were looking – if you were Arthur Smith and you were, like, dialing up, all right, well, this is my future bet, my sort of – Patrick Mahomes, but is more under center than um, shotgun. Then Trey Lance is your guy, and really, with the the the, the lack of of games that he's played, Trey Lance would be the perfect guy for to sit for a year. I, who was it? I think I heard Michael Lombardi said Trey Lance is a year away from being a year away. Well, yeah. if that's the case, then he's the perfect guy for the Falcons. But do you want that guy at fourth overall? that he, he might not play until year three. Like the Patriots are fine with that with a second or a third round guy, but fourth overall pick not playing until year three. I don't know. That's a tough sell. Yeah. And kind of a similar situation as we jump to the next team is Detroit. Detroit's fascinating. You know, you look at their situation. They have Jared Goff. They made the deal with Matthew Stafford involved as we know. And the thing that jumped out to me about a week or two ago, the Lions restructured golf's contract, which makes it much more likely he's around in 2022. So a very similar conversation when you look at the finances of it, Brad Holmes, who was the new GM in Detroit, he's an LA guy. He was there with Jared Goff. You have a new coach and Dan Campbell biting kneecaps off. You got a new scheme, all sorts of stuff happening in Detroit. They're a wild card. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think they're going to, if they can, if Atlanta sticks and picks at four, then Detroit kind of becomes the sexy part because I don't think Cincinnati's going to want to move down too much. I mean, you know, Duke no. Tobin came out. Tobin came out over the last couple of days and said, you know, I don't want to think too much about this thing. And he mentioned Chase, Sewell, and Pitts. So I think Cincinnati is picking one of those three guys at five. Yeah. So, the, the Bengals are not good with complicated. Whether no. it's trades or whatever, they are a very they're, – they're a steak and potatoes type of football operation. Yes. So I think Detroit either trades or they stick and pick, and I don't think they pick a quarterback. The next, I agree. The next team that's interesting, of course, is Denver. And John Elway, yes. uh, one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played the game, the one thing he couldn't do as a GM is pick a freaking quarterback. Peyton Manning fell into his lap. Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Joe Flacco, Paxton Lynch, who they moved up to draft in the first round. It was a comedy of errors from Elway dealing with the quarterback position. Of course, Elway is now not making the personnel calls. George Peyton is. So that leads us to Denver at nine. What do you think they do? So that's another interesting discussion. And I was just trying to look – for the Vikings sort of draft you might know outside of ponder so they drafted ponder what didn't they draft him the Vikings oh, at one point Christian Palmer um uh, I'm just looking sorry did the, Vi- but, the Vikings uh so the Vikings outside of yes him. number one in 2011 
I think I think Rick Spielman and yeah, they were there because Spielman was in Minnesota when I was covering the Packers. So uh so outside of drafting Christian Ponder 12th, they really didn't do much in the draft quarterback um realm. And the reason I bring up the Vikings to catch people up. So George Payton for years, I know George. I covered George was assistant general manager to Rick Spielman. Um, and basically, you know, when Dave wants to have with the head coach and had personnel powers, um, in Miami. So, and when Rick Spielman went, got the general manager's job in Minnesota, George Payton went with him and he's been his Lieutenant top Lieutenant there for years. So these guys okay. are going back, you know, you're not talking, you know, about 20 years, these guys have been working together. Now I bring that up because I understand the way that Rick sort of thinks about things and he's very transactional. He's very black and white. Now I don't, I know George, but I just don't know how different from Rick he is as a GM in terms of how he views things. I'm just telling you in terms of the way Rick Spielman would handle this, he would not draft a quarterback here. He would go best player available and he would more look to a quarterback in say the second or third round to get competition for Drew Drew Locke and to see what happens down the line. Like I just remember, you know, after Dan Marino, what what was interesting is that Rick Spielman, uh, so they had Jay Fiedler and they went to Jay Fiedler and Jay Fiedler was really good. I mean, he really was for what he did and what the Dolphins had. But after that, to bring in competition, I just remember Rick Spielman was so gung-ho and so all excited about how he did all these studies and he did this, all these analytics and blah, blah, blah. And you know what all his research spit out? A.J. Feely. And they traded a second round pick to the (laughs) Eagles for A.J. Feely. And that was basically an epic disaster. Um, So, and and also... Led to the Jay Feely. Yeah. yeah. And, And so, so all of a sudden in Minnesota... You know, they didn't really – they tried the ponder thing. It didn't work. And then what did they do? They signed Kirk Cousins for a bunch of money. Mm. And so I don't see Twice. them as – Yeah, I, I just don't see see George if he – unless he's fundamentally different from Rick, which is possible, but I doubt it after being, being 20 years and being on the same page. And I'm sure Rick never did any decisions without George. It tells me that they are not a first round quarterback team that they are more of a second, third round. Let's see what happens. Maybe we sign somebody in free agency down the line or something like that. But I, I just don't see them in, in for a quarterback, even though the Elway part might change this. And if it was Elway, if Elway was still in charge, hell yeah, I'd say they might even trade up the four to, to, to get the quarterback that they want. You're just dying to try to find a quarterback, that guy, and you could never figure it out. Oh, my God. All right, so the way this is working out is perfect for the Patriots. Yeah. So right now we look at this. Top three quarterbacks off the board. Then you've got Atlanta. You and I agree that Atlanta does not pick a quarterback. They stay. They might trade, but they probably stay and pick there. Somebody like Pitts or Chase or Sewell. Uh, Denver, with your with – your, uh, you know, history with the people who are making the calls now in Denver, you don't think they go quarterback. Really, the next team that you might think about is Philadelphia. But as I just mentioned, I think they're kind of gearing towards 2022. Yeah, I think they're I think, way. Yeah, I mean, if they if they wanted a quarterback, they're not trading out of six. So you can you can take Philadelphia out of the mix, I believe. So now you're really talking Minnesota and New England. 
as far as teams up to the 15th pick. Again, Washington could be uber aggressive and jump up and make a pick. Chicago could be uber aggressive, jump up and make a pick. But from, you know, pick one to 15, you're looking at quarterbacks. The way this falls, you've got the Patriots sitting there at 15, and they're going to have a shot at one of the last two guys. So, you know, if it is, let's say it is Lawrence, Wilson, and who do you think San Francisco picks, Greg? Your best shot here. Jones? Uh, Yeah, I I guess. I mean, I, I don't think he's the right fit for them, but I think that, yeah, I wouldn't draft Mac Jones third overall, but I think they will, yeah. So if it falls that way, you've got Lawrence one, Wilson two, Jones three. You're at the 14th pick. Again, unless one of those teams behind the Patriots get uber aggressive and move up, you're at the 14th pick now with Minnesota, having Kirk Cousins, and you still have Trey Lance and Justin Fields on the board. Now, I don't think that's likely. I think a team will eventually move up, but still, this is why it's more likely the Patriots could draft a guy at 15. Because if Minnesota does draft a quarterback, you still have one of Lancer Fields. If Minnesota, as you just mentioned, Rick Spielman's history, maybe Spielman and Mike Zimmer are crazy enough to say, no, Kirk Cousins is our guy. Like, we gave him the extension yes. last year. We're, we're going to ride or die with Kirk Cousins. If they stick with Cousins, now you've got two quarterbacks sitting at 15. Worst case scenario, you have one quarterback sitting at 15. So the Patriots, they have the option. Which leads us to this. When you look at the quarterback situation in the Patriots, big picture, Greg, they have at least an opportunity to boost the quarterback room. They can go out and trade for Jimmy G, who I think his value continued to take a hit yesterday with that Donald deal. San Francisco yep. trying to sell us that they want a first-round pick in return is a joke. That's, that's not going to happen. Nobody's trading a first-round pick for Garoppolo. So you could argue they still could acquire Jimmy G. The Carolina trade makes Teddy Bridgewater available. Uh, depending on who gets picked at three, you could have one of Lance Fields or Mac Jones, or you can wait for a guy like Mills out of Stanford in the second round. Kellen Mond, I saw Jim Nagy come out, the guy who runs the Senior Bowl. He said he's talking to teams. He said that Mills... And, and Mond are both jumping up draft boards. That would go along with the intel you gave us months ago. You know, you go back two months ago, you said, and you were the first guy I heard say it, and I'm not blowing smoke up your shorts, but you said a couple of months ago, hey, the Patriots, they think this draft is much deeper at quarterback than the pundits are saying. Everybody's yep. saying this is a four or five quarterback draft. The Patriots mm -hmm. see value in the depth at that position. And then yep. now we've got Mills and Mond being talked about. Very interesting. Kyle Trask also could be involved. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN says that the Saints like Kyle Trask maybe in the second round. So you have a lot of up options to upgrade the quarterback room. What do you think they do? Do you still stand <laughs> by what you've said, Greg? Do you still think they stay and, and they end up maybe moving down from the 15th pick and picking up <laughs> assets? Now that now that the Donald deal has been made, we've kind of gone through our own mock draft here with the quarterback position. Jimmy G, Teddy B, Lance Fields, Jones, Mills, Mond, Trask, Greg Bedard, Nick Cattles. What do you do if you're the Patriots? <laughs> well, a couple things on that. Number one, I think 
especially Chicago and also, but also Washington, you know, so Washington's at 19, Chicago's at 20. Yep. Um, Chicago has Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace who look, they're on their last legs. Like if you're in their position, you're selling out for a quarterback. You know, you just are, you're jumping up and it depends how far they think they need to jump. And so I think that the bears for sure are going to, they didn't sign Andy Dalton is not their starter for next year or ideal situation. (laughs) It's just not. So they are going to jump up Washington. I can't see them being, who do they even have? Who's their starter Ryan Fitzpatrick. now? Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same situation as, yep. you know, with Andy Dalton. Those two teams are trying to figure out where they need to go. And it could be, look, I'll give you two scenarios. Um, the Patriots get passed by those two teams, which is fine. I think they're fine with that. Ideally, I think they they want one of them to jump up to their spot. They should be like, ah, well, we're going to – and wait wait for the reports to start coming out that the Patriots are serious about taking a quarterback at 15 should they drop. Or they might even trade up a little bit where really I think they would be ecstatic being on the clock. You know this is going to happen, Nick. <laughs> being on the clock and at least one of the quarterbacks, not, yep. if not two of the quarterbacks are available to them. And what are we here? New England has traded the pick. Patriot, and, Patriots Twitter going crazy, right? All the fans saying they got a chance at Lance. They got a chance yeah, at we got they're, gonna go, they're gonna get their quarterback of the future. Yep. And then it's gonna be a, New England trades the pick. <laughs> and they so they move down about you know four or five slots. They pick up um they pick up an extra two next year. Uh, you know, what what have you, a two this year. And guess what? There's still a quarterback on the board. And I'm not going to get crazy with this scenario. But I think it's – look, you presented me the option if if there is a – first of all, I think both Washington and Chicago will get a quarterback before the Patriots do. That's what I think. Hmm. And even if the Patriots are on the clock and they can't trade out and there's a quarterback, I don't think they take it. I think they take – a trop prospect, like you said, that they normally don't have a chance at, like a Micah Parsons, who uh, maybe since this discussion has gone on for a while, maybe it'll be for Thursday where we talk about, let's look at the 2022 depth chart to talk about where this team is going, because that's what you really need to do when you talk about the draft. We'll talk about that next time, but you have to factor that in what the depth chart looks like. Who are the free agents in 2022? How much are they already committed and in terms of cap space for 2022. And I think that leads you to say they're taking best player available, hopefully a linebacker or a cornerback or an offensive tackle or something like that, because they're going to need one of those or all of them a year from now. Yeah. And you have your pick. I mean, that's why I think, you know, we, we want, everybody knows where the Patriots are in the quarterback room. Now, I would love for them to draft Trey Lance. I would. I would love for them to take a swing at Lance because of his ceiling. And I think if you draft yep. him at 15, then you could kind of explain it away, saying, hey, listen, he had he had some top quarterback traits. He was somebody who we thought could grow into the offense. As you said, he's used to playing under center. He's used to playing in play action. He's used to having mm-hmm. a fullback. Those are all elements of the Patriots offense. So I, I wouldn't mind having him as the guy that goes 15. But you also should look at some of these very good football players that are on the board. 
And I don't want the Patriots to pick a quarterback just because I want them to pick a quarterback. I want the Patriots to pick a quarterback because they actually believe that guy can be the guy. And if you don't think that guy can be the guy, then pick somebody else who can be the guy at another position. So you have guys like Patrick Sertan. You've got Caleb Farley. You have uh, also uh, Parsons, as you mentioned. There are players in this draft that in other drafts would be top 10 picks that are probably going to fall to 15. And so you have a chance to land an elite player if you play your cards right. You also have a, a situation, which you mentioned, that they can move down. And because of how this draft falls, the idea of moving down makes a lot of sense too because that player that you're targeting, whether it's a quarterback or somebody who plays another position who could be an elite guy, that's going to drive the price up. And so the Patriots are in a great position right now. And it goes back to what we mentioned during free agency. With all of those deals they made, they have primo flexibility, which is what Belichick loves. They love flexibility. And now you could argue they could move up and draft a quarterback. You can argue they'll stay and select somebody like Micah Parsons. Or they'll put their 15th pick on the block and say, best offer gets it, or we're just going to stay and pick a guy like Micah Parsons. We don't have to move. So you have to you have to buy us into this idea to move down. You've got to make it worth our while because we can stay here and pick somebody like Parsons. It sets up perfectly, I think, for Belichick. What he does with it, of course, is the ultimate answer as to whether they did the right thing or not. Yep. Let's move on to the uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Uh, for $39.99, 11 cents a day on their annual plan, not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Laura has a question for you, Greg. So I'm a little Laura's one of our best members. She's always peppering me with questions. Good ones too, Laura. They love you. (laughs) Uh, So Greg, I'm a little confused about why the Patriots wouldn't want to do a deal with Carolina for Bridgewater. If neither Jimmy G nor I like the neither nor good job. uh, Presumably (laughs) Minshew ever shook free. I mean, Bridgewater might look like the second coming of Johnny Unitas compared to Cam Newton. Yeah, and that's something that we didn't get to, so now we get to it in the question, which is the offshoot, which is I think there's a report that Bridgewater's been given permission to seek a trade. Yes, yep. Um, And, you know, would the Patriots have interest? Um, I think the Patriots would have interest probably once they see what happens with the draft. Um, Maybe they don't take one in the first round. Maybe the guy that they – maybe somebody jumps up and takes the apple of their eye, whether it's – um, Kellen Mond or, you know, Davis Mills is if, if that's even his first name, I'm not even sure. Um, but, <laughs> but say somebody jumps up and takes, takes them and, and they don't get the guy that they want. You know, I don't think they're going to panic and maybe they look at Teddy Bridgewater and say, all right, well, you know, we can have a competition with Cam and yeah, at least, you know, Cam might be able to handle that a little bit more better than sitting behind a a youngster or, you know, what, what have you, but number one, Bridgewater has to change his contract. I mean, yep. There's no way in hell they're bringing him for $17 million this year and $20 no million next year. He's got to take the Cam Newton deal. Like they will be, it'll be like the tight ends, like Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. 
Like, yeah, we'll sign both of you, but you're both taking the same deal other than Henry's, you know, one year shorter. Um, and so that, that works out, but you know, look, here's the deal with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and, and I love Teddy. Teddy was a guy I did a sports illustrated story on, um, when I was there, when he was coming out, I went to, uh, watch him play in person and, uh, talk to a lot of people around the Louisville organization. I love Teddy's intangibles and he is a great leader. Teammates respond to him. He studies like nobody's business. He's great. He's just very limited athletically, and he's very limited as a, a as a thrower. And he's especially Nick. And this is this is the the key part to this. He's limited physically in how well he can operate the Patriot system. Like mm. the Patriot system is a lot of quick decisions, quick throws, you know what have you. Teddy's more of a. I almost equate him to. He's more like Chad Pennington, sort of like you know, not great arm strength and sort of, you know, lob the ball down the field into places. And that's just, that works for some schemes. It just doesn't work in the Patriots horizontal schemes. Like you're trying to, in the Patriots scheme, you're trying to open up openings horizontally and then pick them apart. Right. Um, and, and Teddy just, he, he, it just doesn't fit. He makes decisions fine, but it's just his arm and quick twitch ability just, you know, doesn't, translate well to the Patriots and people well, well how much worse can he be the cam I get it and and I tend to agree with the Patriots on here uh, on this topic they would rather go with cam year two than bring in another quarterback for another year one I frankly agree with them and and that's led to my meltdown last year about um, <laughs> Alex Smith because I'm like no I'm not doing this and this was before cam sort of fell off the table like, really, if people want to get serious about this, Cam threw about the middle of the season, maybe a little bit further. Cam was an average NFL starting quarterback for most of the season. And then he sort of fell off a table. Now, why that happened, I don't know. And, and that needs to be addressed. But I'm not going through – at least Cam Newton knows how to get to Gillette. At least he knows somewhat of the offense. At least he knows some of the players that he's throwing to. All right, maybe just Jacoby Myers. But, um, you know, in, in Doughboy or whatever the hell anybody's name is. <laughs> um, whatever he said in that podcast. We got Doughboy. We yeah. got Mama's Boy. We got, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't you know, he, he has his nicknames. But the Patriots just don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through the, that again. I don't want to get into week four and hear people say, well, he, he didn't have much practice time and he doesn't really know his team. No, no, I'm not doing that again. I'm just not. So I'd rather go with Cam Newton and Jared Stidham and a draft pick than have anything to do with Teddy Bridgewater. At least with Minshew and um, and Garoppolo, I know that there's an upside. There's no upside to Teddy Bridgewater. He might be a little bit better, but I'm not wasting freaking time for that little bit better. I'd rather spend the time trying to make Cam better, and I think that's where the Patriots are. Here's the biggest takeaway from everything that's happened over the past couple of weeks. San Francisco, Miami trade, Philly, Miami trade. Of course, the trade yesterday involving Sam Darnold. The Patriots today, in my eyes, have a much better chance to upgrade their quarterback room than they might have had just a few days ago. And some people see it opposite. They think they have less options. I don't because I think the guys that the Patriots have been looking at are on the board and teams are dropping off. And I think that's good mm -hmm. news for the Patriots. I, I think you, if you want them to upgrade their quarterback room, again, they've got options. 
Jimmy G, Teddy B, uh, one or two of the rookie quarterbacks that have seen that are seen as first-round picks could drop to 15 to them. They have other options in the second round as well with you know Mills and Mond if, if one of those quarterbacks are their guy. So if you want the Patriots to upgrade their quarterback room, they'll have the opportunity to do so. Whether or not Belichick feels like they need to, that inevitably is the question that needs to be answered. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you later this week.